Life is filled with many things of anxiety, worries. Now, children, you may be finding yourself asking questions like, should I get the ice cream or the toy at Chick-fil-A? Perhaps adults, maybe you're thinking about career options. Is this the right job? Should I switch majors? Singles, perhaps you're thinking, will I ever find a spouse? Is this the right person to marry or not? Did I make the right decision? And some of us may wonder, is life worth it? Maybe we're a little bit more older and our bodies are failing and we're wondering, did I waste my life or not? What will be my legacy? There are many things to be worried about and I have one question to ask you, and I want, I want to take 30 seconds for you guys to write this down on your paper. And this is the question. What do you worry about? 30 seconds. I'm worried about blank. Fill that blank out. And today's Bible passage addresses that issue that you are worried about. It addresses the issue of anxiety. So I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 to 34. And as you turn there, I'm going to give you a bit of context and background. The author is Matthew, one of Jesus' disciples, and he writes about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, particularly his ministry. And in chapter 5 to 7, where we're at, Jesus, he's going to the mountain, his disciples are coming, and there's a crowd next to him, and he's preaching them what is famously called the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, particularly in our passage, we're going to focus on what Jesus teaches about anxiety. So follow along with me as I read from verse 25. So hear now the word of the Lord. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. The main point of this passage and the main point of this sermon is do not be anxious because God provides for you. Do not be anxious because God provides for you. And we're going to see from this text that Jesus gives us three antidotes for anxiety, particularly the antidote to reorient to the kingdom of God, remember God cares for you, and to rest 
in God's provision. But just like how doctors, before they prescribe medicine, they assess and diagnose the medical condition. So too, we're going to see, well, what is the poison of anxiety? And what will we see is the antidote? So look with me at verse 25. Jesus is blatantly clear what the issue is. And the issue is anxiety. Look, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. And if you drop down to verse 27, yet again, and which of you by being anxious? Verse 28, the next verse, and why are you being anxious about clothing? Uh, Yet again, 31, we see Jesus saying, therefore do not be anxious. And lastly, in 34, therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow. So it's very clear, Jesus is saying, do not be anxious. Well, why, Jesus? Where does this anxiety come from? Well, he tells us because it says in verse 25, therefore. So we need to do some homework and see what the therefore is there for. So what do we do? We look to the verse and previous section. So if you look at verse 24 with me, this is what Jesus says from the root of anxiety. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So Jesus is saying our anxieties come from when we are divided in our devotion to God. You cannot serve God and you cannot serve something else. In other words, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is, that's where your mind goes towards, that's where your thoughts go, that's where your happiness goes, that's where your actions are dictated by that treasure. And that source, that's where, the, well, that's where anxiety and worry starts to creep in. Uh, so, for example, if you treasure money or success, we're going to be thinking about, well, how can I make more money? What job will provide me the best money? What, provide, uh, what uh, ways we can invest in, in, in our retirement plan that will bring back the most yield? Well, all these things really are treasuring money, and so now... When we start to chip at, well, what if the stock market crashes? We start getting anxious. We're nervous. That's because our treasure isn't money. And you could use that with any example of what we live for and what our priorities are. So just to be clear, Jesus is clear on that anxiety and worry is a sin because it stems from a heart that does not trust and treasure God. So now that we've seen what the poison is, we can see the antidote. So our first antidote is reorient to the kingdom of God. Reorient to the kingdom of God. We primarily see this in verse 33. And let me read it for us. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Jesus is so clear in giving imperatives in this passage. Do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. This is actually the only time that Jesus gives a positive command of what we are to do. And he tells us, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's the punchline. That's kind of the thrust and point of what he wants to get across. Well, what does this seek first the kingdom of God mean? Basically, this means we are to obey God all the way, right away, and with a happy heart. So Jesus calls us to submit to God and obey him. Now, in the midst of our anxiety that we wrote down, 
I'm supposed to do what? And Jesus says, I'm supposed to seek first the kingdom of God. Well, how do I do that? And that's the point Jesus is getting at. And in the Sermon on the Mount, he does this multiple times that he raises the bar and standard of righteousness. And he even says in chapter 5 that your righteousness needs to be perfect, perfection. And that is the point that Jesus is getting at. You cannot be perfect apart from him. You need help. And the ground to fight anxiety stems from what Jesus came to do. Well, what did Jesus come to do? In the book of Matthew, Jesus came to fulfill all the law and the promises. This is found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. You don't have to turn there. But he basically came to not abolish the law, but obey perfectly. So this problem of sin and this problem of righteousness, that we are disobedient, you and I know this too well. Our anxiety is not trusting the Lord. Well, that's the problem. And what is the consequence of that problem? It's punishment and eternal damnation in hell. Why? Because we are not treasuring God. Well, what's the solution? Well, the solution is found in Jesus, who was never anxious, but obedient to God. He not only provides the payment for sin as he dies on the cross, but in Jesus' resurrection three days later, conquers sin, conquers all sin. And he reconciles people back to the king, back to God. And for all people to repent and believe and trust in Jesus, they will have not only right standing, but reconciliation. But as this text says that we, as children of God, we can become one of his citizens in his kingdom. Now all of our anxiety and worry has been taken care of because the biggest problem has been taken care of, and the problem is sin. Non-Christian friend, we're glad that you are here, but you see that Christianity is not about keeping laws or trying to be morally good or thinking the right things, but it's all about what Jesus came to do in his work on the cross and resurrection. And if you want to explore more about who Jesus is, feel free to talk to me after the service, talk to the elders, or talk to the person that brought you here. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. And that is the ground and source in which we can fight anxiety. So therefore, we can seek first the kingdom of God because of what Christ has done. So let's see how God reorients our priorities. So again, Jesus says we are to seek first the kingdom of God. This is a matter of priority, a matter of our goals, our aim to be of the kingdom of God. Well, to illustrate this, this, uh, this aim and this goal and this priority, uh, it's similar to the Warriors a few years ago. And they are in this dynasty of winning championships. And their goal is to win championships. Now, uh, two years ago, they lost sight of that goal. And they wanted to have the best regular season record. And then what ended up happening? They lost the championship. And this is what happens. When you lose sight of your priority and your top goal, then all these meaningless games that you're already in the playoffs, it it, it deters you from what your goal is, which is to win championships. And unfortunately, they did end up losing the championship. And, And that's what's happening here. It's not, Jesus is not saying food, clothing, your job, things like that. It's not unimportant, but it's a matter of priority. What's first important? And Jesus is so clear in verse 32, if you follow along with me, 
All these things the Gentiles seek after, but your heavenly Father knows that you need them all, them meaning the clothing, the food. So these things, food, clothing, jobs, all those things are not unimportant. They are, but what is first importance? What's priority? What's the goal? What's the aim? And Jesus says the first aim is God himself. It's the king of the kingdom. And all those other necessities, God's going to take care of it. It may not be what you want, but it's what you're going to need. And Jesus calls us to prioritize who God is and his righteousness. And just like in Daniel 3, we have Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Uh, They were basically followers of God. And they were going to be killed by the king because they refused to worship any other idols. And what was their rationale? They were going to be burned. Their rationale was, and this is what they said in Daniel 3, Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known that we will still not serve your gods or worship idols. This is the orientation we ought to have, that even if God doesn't provide in certain specific ways that you would want, we will still worship and prioritize God. This is the same thing as Paul, that to live is Christ and to die is gain. Apostle Paul was having that same priority and goal and aim in life. And in 1 Corinthians 15, he says so clearly that the gospel is of first importance. That should be our aim and how we are to orient our lives. Well, in terms of application, what does this mean? Well, first, I think it means that we are to identify what our heart treasures are. This includes asking good questions of what are we anxious about? What are we prioritizing in our life? Well, if you're like me, and sometimes it's hard to figure out what our heart's desires are. And I think this is where a good question such as, and feel free if you want to write these questions down, where do you find safety, comfort, security? Where do you find safety, comfort, security? What do you seek to aim for, to pursue? What do you think your needs are? What gives your life meaning? What do you spend your time and money on? And there are thousands of questions we can ask to really diagnose. Is our priorities first and foremost God, or are there mixed in their idols? And I think this is where we can do a heart check of really, in, our, in the midst of our anxiety and worries, really figuring out what's at stake. Members of First Baptist This is one of the ways that we can help one another prioritize God. We are to help each other submit our desires, our plans, our goals, our jobs, our lives unto Christ the King and His kingdom. Well, how do we do this? You know, if we are identifying what our heart idols are and what we cherish, I think, members, we ought to speak the truth and love to those issues, those heart issues. We ought to figure out how do we live in obedience to God? How do we reorient our lives, especially as we are actually worried about those things? And finally, we are to obey God faithfully. You know, it says, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. We are to obey all righteous deeds. We are to do these things. That's what Christ calls us to do. And in verse 34, it says, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day today is its own trouble. So wherever you are in life, whatever place that God has called you and 
is placing you and deploying you, you need to be faithful in obedience to him. So parents, this could look like you may not know the future of your children. You may not know maybe you're a parent waiting to be uh, waiting for your child to be born, and you're nervous about how to take care of your children, well, God calls you now to be faithful. Today, as it's today, you obey God. Uh, students, maybe it's midterm season, and you're worried about tests, and your major, and your career. Well, God calls you right now to obey Him faithfully. Reorient your lives to obey Him, not worrying about the results, but trusting Him. Uh, Perhaps you're looking for a career change or you're applying for jobs and you're waiting. Well, God calls you to obey, not be anxious about the results, not be anxious about the jobs, but trusting Him and obedience to Him. So this is what it looks like to uh, reorient our lives to the kingdom of God. That's our first antidote. Second antidote to our anxiety Jesus gives us is to remember God's care for you. It's to remember God's care for you. So if you follow along with me back in verse 25, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? What's the answer? Jesus tells you. He says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? The argument here is so clear that God, if God cares for the lesser things like the birds of the air, then of course God will value the greater things, his own people. This is so important for us to understand that your heavenly father values and cares for you. And I know some of us may not feel like that is true because if God really does love and care for me, he would give me what I want. And sometimes that's our heart's desires, is it not? But God values you, and the circumstances, they do not dictate God's care for you. So fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, remember God's care for you. The heavenly Father feeds the birds. And this heavenly Father is the point that I want you to to recognize. It's your heavenly Father. And he knows your needs. He knows your cares. And if you look, drop down to Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 to 11, uh, Jesus is clear and says that even evil people know how to give good gifts. So if you see with me, uh, verse 8, For everyone who, a- who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be open. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? This is so clear. Our Heavenly Father loves and values and cares for you. And how are we to respond? We're to ask. We're to pray. We're to depend. And this is one of the ways that we are to apply this text is to cast our anxieties to God in prayer. Uh, John Piper uses the illustration of a wartime walkie-talkie, that God is this resource that we can can find our trust and rest and upon, that we can call upon God to come to our aid. He is a mighty hand to sustain. So this ought to be our first 
attack against anxiety is to trust God in prayer, to depend on Him in prayer. Well, consider well that God, yes, does value you. But friends, He also values your brothers and sisters in Christ. So church, this is a way that we can pray for one another. Why? Because God cares for, yes, and amen, you, but He also cares for your brothers and sisters in Christ. So a practical way we can be praying for each other is through the church directory. If you don't have the church directory, talk to Jason after the service. He can get you one. Uh, if you're a member of this church, feel free. This is probably the second most important document that you need after the Bible. Why? Because you pray the Word of God for the people of God. So well, how, do we, how do we use this? And I think a practical way we could do this is you just take a page a day, and you just go through the list, and all of us have anxiety. So how even this text, we can just apply praying to the Lord that these people would be reorienting themselves to the kingdom of God, that they would remember uh, that God cares for them. And if you know them personally, you even can specifically pray for them. And if you don't, I think that's a great encouragement for you to get to know them and ask them how you could be praying for them and casting all anxieties unto God. So this is our second antidote, is to remember God's care for you. And we could do this really through prayer and trusting the Lord and depending on Him. The third and final antidote that we see in the text is to rest in God's provision. It's to rest in God's provision. Uh, Verse 27, follow along with me. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Well, clearly the answer is, no, you can't. And even for ourselves, the very fact that we cannot uh, be born of ourselves, we need mom and dad to create a baby, so proves that we can't add anything to our lives in terms of adding hours or seconds to our lives. God has the power. God has the control. And he furthers this argument in verse 28. Why are you anxious about clothing? Well, what's the answer? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. It's so clear that Jesus wants us to know if God provides for the lilies, and he also provides for the grass of the fields, he's going to provide for his people, his citizens of his kingdom. And I want us to be clear that the uh, Gentiles here in verse 32 I know in Romans, when we're hearing Gentiles, it meant non-Jews. But in this context, Matthew is using Gentile to refer to non-followers of Jesus, non-followers of God. Uh, the people, uh, these Gentiles are the, not the people of God. And, and how do we know this? Well, you don't have to turn there, but in Matthew 18, he uses the same language of uh, Gentiles. And in that context, he talks about uh, church discipline. So ultimately, if uh, a person in the church sins against one another, you're supposed to call them out and uh, restore them back to, uh, back to God through repentance and faith. And the last step is to tell it to the church, and if they still refuse to repent and believe, they are to treat them, the church is to treat them like a Gentile 
and the tax collector. So that Gentile is not non-Jew. It's just the not the people of God. Non-Christian friend, this is important for us to know that Jesus is showing the futility of living for something other than God. I think you and I know this too well, and, and this is our lives since we were born. Fashion comes and goes. Every three months, a new iPhone comes. What's the next thing? Uh, it's always, what's the next thing? Our jobs, we fail. What's the next uh, uh, plan in life? It's family, kids, and then grandchildren. There's always something more. Well, friends, you know the futility of living for these things. And it's almost like you're trying to grab uh, bubbles. And when you grab them, they just pop. They don't last. But God is really showing that it makes no logical sense to trust and live for the temporal things. We are to live for the eternal things. We are to live for God who is everlasting. And that's exactly how we ought to live our lives, is to live for the things of this, not the things of this world, but to, to live for the eternal things, meaning for God and His glory. Why? Because He's the great provider. And throughout church history and throughout the Bible, we see God providing. We see His provision uh, in Exodus, God's people Israel. The, God rescued them from the land of slavery out of Egypt. And the people are anxious. They're nervous because, God, wh- where are we going to get our food? Where are we going? But God, rest assured, He provides for them. He provides manna. He provides direction, and he feeds them bread, feeds them water. Uh, Again, in our scripture reading, in Psalm 23, we see that God's very character is to provide and protect and lavish his love upon his people. Oh, God is our great provider, and in all of our lives, we can just practically mark out how God has provided us this past month, this past year, the past previous years, and I hope that would actually be a way that we could cultivate, cultivate thankfulness in our hearts that God is our great provider. So in the midst of anxiety, we can rest assured that God is our provider and that we don't have to be anxious because we know even in our lives that God has provided for us. In Scripture, He's provided for His people. So all the more reason why we could trust in Him. And finally, God has provided ultimately in His own begotten Son, Romans 8.32 says that God did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. So how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Romans 8.32 is such powerful words for us. If God gives us his greatest thing, which is his son, how much more will he give us all things? And practically, if God has given us all things, then how much more can we give back to Him in giving with a cheerful heart? Uh, Church, as we are thinking about our church budget for 2019, we can give so generously because God has provided us so generously. So we can rest in the fact that God is our provider. So I hope as we think and consider about giving for, yes, the end of this year, but also 2019, I hope we could be even stretch our finances for the Lord knowing that He generously provides, ultimately, in Jesus Christ. And in this fallen world, our hearts can worry about many things. Our hearts are worried about our health. Our hearts are worried about all the things that you guys wrote there. 
But God promises there will be no pain, no tears. That God promises that death will lose its sting. Why? Because there is an inheritance in heaven that is imperishable, everlasting, never fading. And we have this inheritance ultimately in the new heavens and new earth that God promises that he will wipe away every tear. So, beloved friends, we do not need to be anxious because God has provided for us ultimately in his son, Jesus Christ. So with that, let us pray together. Lord God, maker of heaven and earth, we praise you that you are sovereign and yet you would care and provide for your creation. And how much more that you care and provide for your people. You take care of our needs from greatest to little. And we confess the ways that our hearts are anxious and worried about things of this world. But we thank you that it's by the blood of Jesus and in his resurrection that we are no longer needing to be anxious because we have Christ Jesus. Help us to treasure you, O God. Remind us of your provision. Remind us of your love and your care. And reorient us back to you. So where we have fallen, bring us back up, O God, to submit ourselves to the King and pursue faithfulness unto you. And we pray all these things in your Son's name. Amen.